0: When someone calls 911, the voice on the other end is usually not a law enforcement officer, firefighter, or paramedic. It's not someone who carries a gun or knows the mechanics of how to get water from a hydrant or how to start an IV. The answering voice of a 911 call has to be calm in the face of chaos has to multitask, gathering caller information, making computer-based notes, dispatching the appropriate first responder, and ensuring those on the way to the call have information that helps them arrive safely and possibly knowing what to expect once they get there. It's a high stress job, simply not for all who apply. I'm um, turning around, uh, I was driving down i turning around, see if find him again. This is Subjects, you 1074,
1: NCJA 1014
0: Welcome to this episode of the NCJA 1014. I'm your host Kirk Puckett. The job of telecommunicator is what I've just described and then some. That unknown voice answering a 911 call is often referred to as the lifeline between callers and first responders. In recent years, more emphasis has been placed on telecommunicator training, including a certification course that is offered at the Justice Academy. And, of course, the goal is to help facilitate more effective responses to calls for assistance among law enforcement, fire and EMS. My guest for this episode is Susan Gillis, a former telecommunicator turned Justice Academy Instructor Developer based on the East Campus in Salemburg. Susan, welcome. We've got a lot of information to cover. So first, I want to get right into it and talk about the telecommunicator certification course. Why was it ever created?
1: Yes, thank you for having me this morning, Kirk. The Share Standards Division saw a need 20 over 25 years ago to develop a course that mandated training for telecommunicators. Telecommunicators usually got on-the-job training, but the Share Standards Division wanted to make sure that there was mandated training that was developed specifically for telecommunicator duties and that it was standardized based on that training. In addition to that, we also have an attorney that does a legal review of the training. So they wanted to have something more formalized, something in place specific to telecommunicator training. So back in the late 90s, there was a job task analysis and the job task analysis was sent out to agencies to define what telecommunicators did the most as far as their duties, what they spent the most time on, what was most important and what was most critical to making sure that those responders go home every day. From that, the original curriculum was developed. Now, moving to 2022, we have not had a job task analysis until 2022. As you can understand, there's been a lot of changes to the duties. Some of them are the same, but also we have new technology and we have new officer safety information that has come to light that needs to be shared with the telecommunicators. So in 2022, a new job task analysis was sent out to the agencies and new tasks were identified as meeting those standards as critical and things that telecommunicators do the most. So based off of that is how we rewrote the training.
0: And you mentioned that technology piece, Susan. I've had an opportunity over my career to visit some telecommunications centers and the tools that telecommunicators have now is just absolutely fascinating to someone like me. And of course, it's all geared at officer fire, EMS safety, as well as getting those proper first responders to the caller as quickly as they possibly can. Again, just pretty fascinating to me. This next question may seem like one that's easily answerable, but we just want to make sure that everybody gets the same information. So who's actually eligible to attend the telecommunicator certification course?
1: Any telecommunicator that dispatches for a law enforcement agency in the state of North Carolina. It is mandated for any telecommunicator that works under a sheriff. Or under a police chief. However, all telecommunicators are welcome. For example, if your management control is emergency management at your agency as opposed to a law enforcement official, you can still come and take the training and receive the same training, get the same certification, and continue with the continuing ed and be just as certified as anybody else. It is mandatory for those that dispatch for a sheriff and those that are under a police chief for management control and dispatch for law enforcement. But we have campus university police. We've had hospital telecommunicators there as well. We've had private company police telecommunicators attend. So anyone that dispatches for a law enforcement agency may attend the course.
0: For our folks that may be listening that are not in law enforcement circles, I think there's a point of clarity and you kind of touched on who's attending, but probably should be specified a little bit more that just because there is an agency and I'll pick out Buncombe County Sheriff's Office does not necessarily mean that the Buncombe County Sheriff's Office has its own telecommunications center. So it just it varies really by agency and sometimes by county, doesn't it?
1: It can. It can vary by agency. It can um, vary by regions. Uh, Some agencies have a regional telecommunicator communication center. And they may have three counties that are combined. So to answer your question, as far as which counties do, which counties don't, it is based on the management control of that agency and uh, if they dispatch for law enforcement. We do not train specifically to dispatch for fire or EMS. There are different protocols for emergency medical dispatch that we do not train. This is not part of that course. We do dispatch or we do train them to know how to dispatch the calls. But because it's very different from law enforcement call taking, the curriculum is based largely on law enforcement response because it is under North Carolina Sheriff's Education and Training Standards. So we don't want to go outside of what we are here to do and what we are here to teach. Within the curriculum, we do talk about EMS safety. We do talk about fire safety because every responder is important and needs to go home at the end of the night. So we do talk about all responders, but as far as who is able to attend the course, any telecommunicator who dispatches for a law enforcement agency. Now, if you dispatch for law enforcement, medical and fire, that's absolutely fine. Everybody's welcome. The curriculum is based largely on law enforcement responsibilities.
0: And I'm glad you answered that question in the way that you did, because certainly UNC Hospital Police may not be dispatching the same types of call that say, the Orange County Sheriff's Office or Chapel Hill PD would. So that kind of helps clarify it, I think, for a lot of folks who don't understand this, this whole process of who actually owns the telecommunications center. And it gives me a great opportunity to segue into this next question. Let's talk about some of the topics that are covered in the telecommunication certification course.
1: We have nine blocks of instruction and the new material coming out. The first one, just like every other commission course, is about orientation. Orientation is not specifically about telecommunicator duties, but it is about the share standards division, how you get your certification, how you keep it, how you maintain it throughout your career so you can be a successful telecommunicator for many years. Uh, So the first block is orientation, explaining the rules on how to keep and maintain that certification. We move on to the second block, which is introductory topics for a telecommunicator. And in that information, you talk about what qualities does a telecommunicator need to have. You touched on them earlier about multitasking, but there's so many more being a team player, being willing to help, wanting to help, being able to multitask, have good communication skills, have good technical skills, be willing to compromise. Because all of those things, when a crisis goes down, it's never about the telecommunicator. It's about the whole team and it's how to work within that team and get the objective served, which is getting the citizen taken care of, but also keeping those responders out there safe as well. In addition to the introductory topics, we have increased information about stress in the telecommunicator. As you can imagine, the calls they take are the calls the responders are going to. Telecommunicators are the first first responders. We get that call first. We get the mother screaming because the child's not breathing. We get the lady or gentleman calling in that they've just been stabbed or just been shot or their home's being broken into. And to be able to maintain that level of professionalism and calmness, we have to teach them about stress before they get into it. Because afterwards, after they've been working in the field for a long time, you can address the stress, but they've already had that effect. And and usually it's a negative effect. Stress can have a negative or a positive impact on you. So we teach them what you might hear, what you might see, and what are your normal reactions to the abnormal type of calls that we take every day. Because most people don't go to work and get calls from people that are dying and being shot at and their house is on fire. So even though that we are professional and we have been told for many, many years you can't let it affect you, you got to pick up the next call, that is true. But we we need to make sure that we are addressing After the call is over and you're driving home or you're home with your children or your family, you don't forget those calls. So we want to talk about how does stress impact you and give you positive coping techniques ahead of time. So in large, the introductory topics are about teamwork and then stress and how to manage that, because it's not if it's coming, it's when it comes. Moving on to this third block is interpersonal communication. And all of us, no matter how long we've been in the communication business, we can learn to communicate better. And one of the topics within that lesson plan is learning to listen. Sometimes we listen to respond instead of listening to understand. And people will tell you a lot of things if you don't interrupt them. Now, if it is a crisis call, if there's a house fire or somebody's being broken into, we may have to jump in there to interrupt. But how you talk to people matters. You need to make sure that you're being courteous, you're being professional, because people in crisis, they're not responsible for how they speak to you. They're just not. They're responding to whatever they're looking at or whatever is happening to them. So learning how to communicate professionally and calmly and being able to de-escalate others as part of interpersonal communication. We have the fourth block, civil liability for the telecommunicator, and that is written by one of the DOJ attorneys and actually by several of the DOJ attorneys. And it talks about how do we avoid civil liability in the workplace? How do we avoid our agencies being sued for negligence? And it discusses other cases where the telecommunicators have made mistakes and where those mistakes are identifying them now and letting that telecommunicator know, hey, these are the things that can happen when you're taking a call and they can subject you to liability. So. Civil liability is about how to avoid those types of issues and those types of lawsuits. And you avoid it by interpersonal communications, being able to manage that person's crisis and de escalate them while still maintaining your professional control. So block five, this is our telecommunication systems and equipment. This block went from two hours to three hours uh, because of the technology that is out there that was not in the late 90s. And so that has to factor into the lesson plan. And some of the things that we talk about are the texting to 911, video chat to 911, better capabilities for the hearing and the speech impaired, better communication for them. We also talk about rapid SOS as far as tracking people. And there's just GIS mapping, which makes sure that we can find people in the field. We talk about the additional challenges for people that call using a cell phone. Over 75% of the calls that we get in the communication center come through a cell phone and not a landline. So that becomes an additional challenge to the telecommunicator because cell phones are mobile. And if people are moving, the ability to track them is important. And if they cannot speak to us while they are moving, we have to have that technology in place to inform the responders. Maybe we don't know the whole story, but we can get responders to them. So that is why that block continued from two hours to three hours. Another block that was added to is Block six is our overview of emergency services, and that lesson plan actually went from nine hours to seven hours. This is a basic overview of law enforcement agencies, what agencies are state agencies, which ones are federal, which ones are local. And then we go into the fire and the EMS information in those blocks of instruction. The students tend to really enjoy this block of instruction because we have Outside, people come in to show us things that we don't get to see in the field. For example, we've had... here locally in Sampson County, Sampson County Sheriff's Office, come in and do a canine demonstration. The telecommunicators are responsible for a lot of things that they never see. So having these additional resources and knowing what these resources need in the field and having those eyes on them is, is a real learning tool. One of our last classes, we actually put them in um, Terry Miller's Pursuit Driving. Now, they weren't driving. <laughs> Let me say that right ahead. But they were passengers in the car. So they could see how hard it was for the responder, in this case, the officer, to drive, to call in their location, to keep the eye in on the suspect, to not hit the cones or vehicles if it was in the field, and how fast that happens from I'm getting ready to stop a vehicle till they're in a pursuit So it really opened their eyes to see all the things that the officers had to do in the vehicle while they still had to communicate. In that block as well, um, when we've taught it out west, we've had the Henderson County Sheriff's Office come out and they've done canine demonstrations. Um, They've brought out their SRT Bearcat to show us how SRT or our SWAT members arrive on scene and some of the things that are needed for them. We've had their bomb squad come out. We've had different resources come out from Henderson County. To make sure that we knew in the field what those pieces of equipment look like and how to make sure that we manage the movement of those pieces. And when I say management, I mean track them for officer safety, because we have to have unit accountability in the field and seeing how things work in the field when you don't normally get to see that in the communication center is an asset to the telecommunicator. The next block is Block 7, Call Reception and Prioritization. This was also increased to from six to seven hours, and relevant information from the Communication Resources block was moved over to aid in the flow of how these resources work together. Uh, hazardous material information was added to the block for responder safety, and officers' tactical response was explained. Not that the telecommunicator is going to be in the field and going to be approaching that scene tactically. But to have a visual of how an officer approaches either a vehicle, a house, a business tactically lets you know, gives you a mind's eye into what they may need. And this could be, do they need to hold the channel? Do they need to clear it where no one else needs to speak? And it can also aid in information. If a suspect is in the residence, it's not enough information that the suspect is in the house. Is he in the kitchen where there might be knives? Is he in the bedroom? Um, Officers need to know these things as they approach these dangerous areas. So within call reception, some additional things were added to make sure that we covered that and and make sure responder safety was always addressed. And block eight is broadcasting techniques. And this went from six to seven hours. Additional recording was added to that. If you remember many years ago, the Century 16 theater shooting out in Aurora, Colorado, that was added at the beginning of that lesson plan. And the reason it was added is because the amazing control that that telecommunicator exhibited, not only with people calling and screaming that they were being shot at, but the officer's emotional response. Uh, It's very hard for officers not to yell and scream when they're approaching somebody or something that's shooting at them. So how that telecommunicator managed that radio traffic was extraordinary. And we wanted to feature that as something that you may have to do at some time or another. Communicating under stress was also added to identify expectations during stressful radio calls. Again, responders are going to be yelling, they're going to be demanding, and that's not directed at the telecommunicator. That is just what their need is, and they're responding on their environment. And so if we can understand and visualize and have a mind's eye of what they need, it's easier for us to be a part of that scene. And if we're a part of it, we can kind of look at what resources may be needed a little bit quicker. And as they are asking for them, we already have them there. And in broadcast techniques and radio procedure, that's just priceless. Good radio traffic is disciplined radio traffic. And so we teach them how to speak on the radio as far as what needs to be said, but not having information that doesn't need to be stated over the radio block up the channel because you never know what an officer may need to get on that radio when it's tied up. And then the block nine is the training practicum. And that has remained mostly the same as far as how we look at what has that student learned this week. So on the fifth day of the class, because we start on Sunday, we have an eight-hour training practicum, and we're not looking for perfection. We're looking for, did they get the call information as needed, as we've instructed for them to do? Are they broadcasting in, in a reasonable manner, in a concise manner? Are they responding to those units that need information? Are they going back and forth and paying attention to what's needed? Because it's not just telling them information, Is the officers coming back and requesting more or giving a... Uh, scene update, and we have to determine what's needed from those scene updates. So, part of broadcasting techniques is visualizing that scene and knowing when to speak, what is needed to be said, and that can make a radio call either really, really good or it can decrease the quality if you're not looking at those specific aspects.
0: Well, to say the least, that is a lot. Of training for a telecommunicator. And I think too, Susan, the, the most important part of, of nine blocks of instruction is that you truly are covering almost every spectrum of what could happen to a telecommunicator at any given time. You know, it kind of goes from there's nothing happening. And as soon as that phone is answered, it becomes crisis and it becomes chaos. And I think after listening to it, all of the different blocks that you talked about, managing stress and being able to handle that stress both with the caller, with the first responder, and once you go home, that's a pretty important factor. And that's something that's got to be really hard to teach.
1: It is very hard to teach. We um, give examples. Belinda McClinney uh, is another instructor here at the academy that helps me teach a lot. And we give personal examples of stressors. You know, I, I talk about losing officers in the line of duty, um, people being shot on the phone while I've had them on the phone, things like that. Um, so when we, we give personal examples, so it's not just textbook. If A happens, then you do B. They're talking to instructors that have 10 and 20 and 30 years of experience in the field. And know what they're getting ready to come up against and so much of handling that stress is the preparation part if you don't know what's coming you can't prepare for it everybody in the world knows that yeah that's probably a stressful job but they don't know that you could lose a friend that you worked with an hour ago and then they're no longer alive you don't know that the child that you're speaking on the phone might be dead in, in 15 minutes and these things sound harsh And they are harsh, but they are the reality of the daily duties of the telecommunicator. So we make sure that when we are talking about stress, it's not just a cookie cutter how to manage stress. We give specific examples, talk about how it affected us at that time and talk about how we recovered and we moved on and that we learned from it. And one thing about telecommunicators and emergency responders, if you've had stress and you've had trauma, and you've learned to manage it, one of the things that you most want to do is help somebody else. And so when we deliver that information, we make sure it's, again, it's not a cookie cutter, A plus B equals C. We make sure that they know things that happen in the field can impact them. And that's normal. It doesn't mean they're not fit for the job. It just means they need to have coping mechanisms and support in place to handle that when it does come.
0: So certainly one of the things that we pride ourselves on at the Academy is providing effective and Up-to-date training. And knowing as instructor developers that that training has to be constantly revised. You did a great job of talking about some of the significant changes in that certification process now, which obviously have been well thought out, well studied, well researched. And once somebody sits down on that first day for that TCC course, they know that they're going to be getting the best of the best that there is to offer. Law enforcement officers have 24 hours of in-service training that they must take every year. What about telecommunicators?
1: Oh, absolutely. So telecommunicators must have 16 hours of in service to maintain their certification each year. Each year, the topics change, so we're not offering the same thing over and over again. And they are selected by a sheriff's commission subcommittee. So every year there is a survey sent out to the agencies to determine what they want to see in in in-service training. Because it's important to us as developers that we make sure that we're addressing, number one, what's most current in the field. And if a telecommunicator has something that they haven't seen, then absolutely let's develop that. So that's how we get the topics, uh, the suggestions, and then they are taken to the subcommittee and voted on. From there, we develop our objectives, and the objectives are approved, and then we move on with the development of the in-service. So for 2023, telecommunicators will see lesson plans that help them deal with conflict management, critical incident exposure. They will have an ethics block. We will also have a liability block related to the telecommunication center. We will talk about mental health responses. How do we maintain our mental health in the process? How do we obtain our quality of life in the process of handling all of these crises? In addition, there will be protocols for amber, silver, and blue alerts. We will have the telecommunicators' responsibilities in tactical situations. I addressed it a little bit in the call reception, but we're going to have a four-hour block for the telecommunicators' responsibility in tactical situations. And our responsibility is to maintain that contact and that information flow accurately, precisely, and quickly so that they can manage those um, tactical situations. We talk about technology failures, and one that we do every few years uh, because it is so important. How do we manage irate callers? How do we provide better customer service when someone isn't exactly being cooperative with us? And then this year, again, we bring in the telecommunicators responsibilities for fire and EMS. Although we are a law enforcement training academy, we do know that the telecommunicators have a responsibility to the firefighters and EMS. And that is so important. And we want to make sure that we don't drop the ball on that. So we do bring that in this year for in-service as well.
0: Well, Susan, our time has just about expired. I just want to take a moment to say thank you to you as an instructor developer and all of the telecommunicators across the state of North Carolina and and truly across this nation, because it is sometimes a thankless job. You answer that call, you get the help there that is needed, and it's long forgotten. So, Thanks so much for the information that you have provided, and we look forward to seeing more as the telecommunication certification course develops.
1: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: The emergency number 911 was first instituted back in the late 60s. Ever since then, when people have an emergency, all they have to do is press those three digits, and they'll be connected with the help they need. Telecommunicators are the first point of contact in an emergency. They've been responsible for coaching callers to perform CPR, assist with births, and help locate the lost. My guest today has been Susan Gillis, a North Carolina Justice Academy instructor developer based on the East Campus in Salemburg. Susan has played a huge role in development of the telecommunications certification course as well as in-service, and both, of course, have been topics on this episode of NCJA 1014. Continue to watch the Academy's website for podcast updates, and until then, please stay safe. NCJA 1014.